first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 97. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about Yandi Diaz and Melky Cabrera and some sort of meeting that they had, um, that Yandi had and Francisco Lindor had with Tito. We'll be talking about the Indians and how they dominate with the bases loaded. We'll be talking about Trevor, Trevor Bauer and CIA Nanites and uh, the, the, the kind of judgment of taking a tweet and reporting it immediately and, I don't know, maybe don't do that is kind of what we're getting at there. Um, we're going to be talking about all that and a lot more. Joining me for all that is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? You know how I'm doing. I'm dealing with the, the realities <laughs> of modern day capitalism, and it's not going well. Not <laughs> that fantastic, but you know, it's uh, you know, it's just another day in my life. You're clearly talking about Melky Cabrera and Yandy Diaz, right? Is that what you're? You're just emotionally do, dealing with that, is what you meant? Yeah. How does that represent itself in the, in the re- realities of modern day capitalism? I guess if you want to maintain <laughs> the cheap value that is Yandy Diaz right now, then that works out. Yeah. So yes, I, I suppose that that's what's upsetting me these days the most. Probably the second most in my entire <laughs> life right now is what, that's what's upsetting me, which is probably pretty good. Well, the sad thing is but, if, that, if that's the reason they weren't using Yandy Diaz, I think I'd be a little more okay with it. But we're going to talk about this on a little bit. I don't think it's because they want to save the cheap aspect of Yandy Diaz. <laughs> if they knew he was so good and just saving him for Super 2 or whatever, I'd be all go capitalism there. I don't care, but I don't think that's why. Why do you think it then? Are we, on, are we already on this subject or are we going to do something else first? <laughs> I've been wanting to talk about this. Like, I think the story first came out a couple hours ago and then I just wanted to talk about it. If we weren't doing the podcast, I was going to write about it immediately. But but yeah, let's just talk about that first right away. Um, All right. So apparently, Yandy Diaz and Francisco Lindor, or I guess I should say to phrase it the correct way, um, Yandy Diaz went to Terry Francona and sort of brought along Francisco Lindor. Um this is how it was reported initially anyway is that um so yanni diaz went to talk to tito and he wanted to bring along francisco lindor as sort of a translator to get to uh as tito put it articulate his points a little better which that's another thing we can talk about in a minute um but it was basically just a discussion on the behalf of yanni diaz about what he can do to stay up because anybody's sort of following what's going on with diaz and melky cabrera and just sort of finding a way for him to stay the indians aren't bothering to do much <laughs> with keeping him up um they haven't bothered trying him in the outfield in the minors or majors. They haven't really played him much at third base anymore in the minors or majors. I think all he's done in the majors is DH. He hasn't even been like a first baseman. Um, and in the past, Terry Francona's publicly criticized his defense in the outfield and third base, which is something he did with Francisco Mejia. Um, but so we don't know the details of, of Yandy Diaz's meeting with Tito, with Lindor translating. But it's been weirdly reported as this happy, cheery, uh, the, the exact title on Jordan Bastion's tweet was that... Um, Terry Francona was impressed with the meeting, with the fact that Diaz went to meet with him. And then um, Paul Hoyne said it was a good meeting between Yanni Diaz and Terry Francona. But reading between the lines, I, I'm 
I don't know if I'm worried, but it's kind of weird, I think, the fact that Yandy Diaz went to Tito and then he was able to get Francisco Lindor to come with him, whether he was just translating or uh, Tito said he was articulating points. So I don't know if that was more Lindor talking to a manager he's familiar with and helping Yandy Diaz explain to Tito what's going on in his mind and that he wants to play that. I mean, the guy's batting with like almost 500, so he kind of deserves to play. Um, but this all, it almost, it's not the exact same scenario as Francisco Mejia with refusing for him to play somewhere else, but this is the same sort of weird, bizarre handling of a prospect, I think, is that we're seeing, again, with Diaz, as we did with Francisco Mejia, but I don't think Diaz is going to be traded, but it's just another weird thing, and it goes back to Tito and the quote-unquote his guys with Milky Cabrera, who's probably not going to go down, or not going to be DFA'd or anything like that when Edwin Encarnacion comes back, so it's pretty much Diaz is going to be sent down, he seems to know it, there seems to not be any way he can stay up, but he's going to ask anyway, and if, and if, if it wasn't quite as positive as everybody's reporting, maybe it was Diaz going to Tito and saying like something along the lines of, I don't think I should be going down. I don't know. I didn't, that's pulling it out of completely nowhere, but it's a really interesting, bizarre scenario. And the, the inner conspiracy theory fan in me is <laughs> loves this kind of stuff like baseball related. I, I like the Francisco Mejia thing too. And it was going on just all this under the, what do you call it? Under the first layer going on and stuff that we didn't quite know. And then it all came out, but I don't know. This is a really bizarre thing, I think. I don't think it's quite as bizarre as it's being reported. Or I think it's more bizarre than it's being reported, and I am I think we're going to see more of it soon. But what do you think about all of this, Merritt? <laughs> am I overreacting to it just because I like looking between the lines and digging too far? Or is there sort of something to Yandy Diaz and Francisco Lindor going to talk to Tito about it? I think it's something that 30, 20, you know, even not all that many years ago, less than you'd think because baseball... Well, it's, you know, culturally 50s or something. Maybe we'll give it the 70s now. But, like, rookies aren't supposed, historically weren't supposed to speak out like this. And so maybe that's why some of these guys, your Paul Hoynes of the world in particular, are, are reporting in such a bizarre way, I guess. But it, I don't think it's really weird. I mean, I think some of the weird parts about it are how he keeps him being referred to as a young guy when he's 27 years old. I don't really think of that as very young, I don't think. But it's a little bit – I think it's what should be done. I mean, obviously he doesn't want to get sent down in part because he wants to be paid like a major leaguer. That's always a nice part. But also he doesn't want to get sent down because what's the point at that point? I mean, if he's just going to be, you know, sent down because Melky Cabrera is alive, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's – um. It's, uh, the, the bizarre part to me is the rationale that we need to send him down because. And then there's no second half to that sentence, you know? And I, I, I know we've been talking about this for weeks now. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not the best hitter on the team, but, I mean, he's a guy who's going to be influenced by, you know, aspects sort of outside of his control, namely the placement of infielders. But he's still one of the better, you know, offensive qualities on the team so I, I i think it's more i'm still just confused by the by the non-answer also that, that francona gave like you have a guy who really wants to play and really wants to be here and you have your best player saying well your second best player saying i also want him to be here as representative by the fact that he came in and translated for him so the whole story just seems i don't want to say stupid to me because <laughs> to me it seems like a no, a no-brainer that they should keep him but as we, I, don't, I don't know. It's, 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 the whole thing is just weird, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it seems like common sense that you should keep the guy who hits the ball very hard instead of 
Or, or quite honestly, well, yeah, or others, you know, or Brandon yeah. Geyer for that matter. I mean, none of these guys are particularly, you know, sterling in the outfield as it is. I, I wrote an article about it well, last week saying, why not just put him in the outfield? Talking about Yandy Diaz. He's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah, he'll flub some plays, but he can just yo in a Cespedes his way out of those blown plays. So, I don't know. It's it's weird. it's 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 strange though. It's and I, I don't know if it's something that's just gotten worse as as Frank Clinton has become more and more ensconced in Cleveland, where he just you know he he obviously holds more and more sway with each passing year. But the this propensity to hold on to guys like Melky Cabrera. Who again doesn't make any sense to me that he'd be one of his guys. He was never really that good of a player. He was an okay player at times. He's never played for Francona before. If anything, he played against uh, Francona. He was on the Yankees. Um, it's just the veterans, I guess. At this point, like Tito has said, you hold on to veterans because what was the exact quote? Like you, you hold on them through the bad times so you get the good or whatever. But he seems to really believe that if you just hold on to veteran long enough, you'll squeeze something good out of him. That's just. Well, obviously, you know, I mean, that's just like things always happen eventually. I mean, what's that line from Fight Club? You know, the on a long enough timeline, everyone's life expectancy drops to zero. Like everyone eventually is going to do something good by by accident. Even the worst, like, you know, even Michael Bourne was hitting three home runs a year when he was <laughs> at his absolute worst. The only person who doesn't hit home runs is, is, you know, what, Ben Revere at this point. Is he even still in baseball? I don't even know. I don't think so. Um I'm sure Chicago's probably still on the Angels. I think it all like pretty much boils down to Tito way too into recency bias, right? Like he, he or maybe it's not a recency. Is there like a bias towards only seeing the good parts? Because like he it's only there. sees the it good. Definitely is. He's yeah. just a nice man, I yeah, guess. He only sees the the nice things about these about these <laughs> veterans. But what about, about the, the nice things about Yandy Diaz? You know exactly. the the missiles, the missiles, Matthew. <laughs> I don't know how many missiles he wants them to hit oh, like before it's good. Um, and I guess we should sort of say, I kind of implied it too, that it wasn't necessarily like Lindor charging in there with Diaz. It was just going flat on the reporting. It was that Diaz asked him to translate for him, whatever that can mean. Yeah. Um, and then Tito said he was articulating points. That's the part I think takes it a little further for me, is that Diaz knew that Frankie would help him articulate things. Um, so is this at all similar to Mejia, you think? Because um, uh, Francona publicly criticized Mejia for not moving off the catcher, and now he's also... Somebody tweeted, I can't find it now, unfortunately, but it was a really, like, like a sick burn on Yandy Diaz's defense in the past that they were talking about. He didn't look good in the outfield. We tried him at third base. He didn't look good there. And this is all despite the fact that multiple minor league coaches have, have seen him and coached him and said he's been good at multiple positions, but the but all of a sudden now he's in AAA and they won't, they just refuse to even play him anywhere, which I think is weird. Um and then even just today, Francona said, and we're trying to make him understand how important it is to play every aspect of the game. Hopefully, I think he's starting to get it more and more because as he does, he's going to get exciting. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> no, I don't know what that means at all. Like, what other aspects? Of, if you're not, if you don't give a guy a chance, then there are no other aspects of the game than what he does at the plate. And what he does at the plate generally is pretty good. I mean, he, he you know, he, he works along uh, plate appearances. He connects on the ball very hard. We all. We're all tired of talking about his launch angle issues, but it, that's about it. Um, I mean, I think he struck out a couple of times tonight against the Red Sox, but you know, everyone strikes out a couple of times sometimes. Yeah. Up yeah. to this point, I mean, he's he again, he hits the ball hard, he hits it to all fields, and you like you can't shift on him because he goes opposite field so much. And again, he just he works long. He's got a great eye at the plate, and 
I don't know what else there is. Honestly, he doesn't hit enough home runs. Yeah, no, no, no one hits enough home runs. I, I have a video game player who's hit 105 home runs. It's not even the All Star break in. That's not enough home runs for me. So shoot. What's enough home runs? You know what's enough home runs? Jeez. I think that's sort of the missing link of it all. Is is if there's something the Indians want him to work on, it's clearly not hitting, unless it is launch angle, I guess, if that's something they've been telling him and he refuses to do. But if it's defense, they're not letting him work anywhere else. I don't know unless, does he refuse to practice? I mean, if he's coming to him and saying he wants to fix something, and Tito's response is, you need to fix something, <laughs> but they're not letting him do it, like, there's something not coming out here, I don't think. One way or the yes, other. Yes, no, I mean, there, there's definitely a, and, and this is, a, again, a thing that we've kind of, you deal with all the time in baseball, too. I mean, no team is going to come out and just say, these are the issues we're having with our players. The only time you ever get that is when the entire clubhouse is caving in around itself. So, Well, I mean, he I, sort of did it with Mejia, didn't he? He said, this, this, our issues is won't, he won't move away from catcher, and he said with Yandy Diaz, his, his issues is he won't play other positions. I guess that's true, but again, I mean, if you're not going to try and put him there, right. I mean, at least they, they they did that with Mejia, didn't they? Like they actually did play him in the outfield in the major leagues a couple of, a couple of times. I thought. No, I don't think he played in the outfield in the majors at all. I think no, he just I mean, DH. That was it, and he pitched. Oh, that's um, right. He only played a, a, an hour and a half in the majors. Never <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah, but even in the minors, I think he might have played a little bit in the infield. I don't even know if he made it to the outfield. But Diaz has been all just DH or nothing, which is mm-hmm. so weird to me. Does he? No. I mean, if you want him to play any position, you let him do it. Like it's not a catcher; he can, you can put him at third base and move Jose. I'm sure he'd be okay. I mean, I guess I'd hope he'd be okay with it, but it's just so weird to me. Well, I mean, and the, the whole—I mean, the, 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 there was always the opinion, the assumption that he was at least a pretty good defensive player, not a great defensive player, but at least pretty good at it. You know, right? All the way coming up, all of his—I guess not all—but all, coaches and scouts have have repeatedly said that he's pretty good on defense. Yeah. So. I really don't know. I don't know how to, what to make of the entire thing. I mean, I think it's really cool that Frankie did that. I think it's cool that oh, yeah, Diaz, Diaz did that. I mean, I mean, I think that's the problem with baseball as a whole is this. And you know, there was an article I think it was on ESPN about you know how the, the Yankees trying to end the idea of rookie hazing. I mean, which is a stupid move to begin with. It's all you know, it's just been happening because it's always happened. I think it's cool that Diaz has just stood up for himself like this. I mean, obviously he has a language barrier in front of him. Which really makes things much harder. I mean, that was one of the talks about what held uh, Ramirez back for early in his career too. Was that he did not speak very much, if any, English. And up until have Juan Uribe was around, and some of the, some of the other younger guys also that he came up with, who also spoke Spanish, and now with Edwin and stuff, and, and of course the the ever present ability of Michael Mike Napoli to be able to be able to just you know. Played cards with him, I guess. Whatever was happening, but um, being able to push through—it's a very brave move, I think, of of Diaz. I don't want to put too much, you know, credit on his. You know, I mean, bravery comes in all shapes and sizes, but it's cool because if nothing else, he's standing up for himself and saying, "I deserve to be here." Because you look at the numbers. What the hell else is he going to do in the minors? Nothing. I mean, right. unless, if he's if he's not going to work on his on his bat path there. Might as well just you know ha, you know ride ride the the Babbitt wave with him when he's in the majors and you know some days he'll go five for five with with two doubles and some days he'll go for four to three you know ground ball double plays. Yeah, so, I think the only undisputed thing to come out of this is the fact that Francisco Lindor is amazing. <laughs> yes, no, and I Justin think um, at JL Baseball on Twitter, Justin who um, 
He's a good friend on Twitter. He, uh, I, I don't know for sure, but he said Lindor routinely translated for Jose in Lake County in 2012. So if that's true, this isn't a new thing for Lindor translating for potential yeah. star players. So Francisco Lindor is amazing. Like maybe he didn't agree with Yandy Diaz. Maybe he did, but the fact that he's willing to do it, I think, says a lot. And Tito did say that at least. Maybe that was the the most honest thing he said. Is that it was it meant a lot to him that Francisco Lindor was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and there's nothing there's nowhere to go. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too, because we don't know anything because they're so closed mouthed about everything. But the front office obviously has more say than than we're being given here. I mean, Terry Francona is you know a, a, a essentially a Hall of Fame manager at this point, but it's still 2018, and he may have the most power of any manager in all of baseball. But that's 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 now the weakest perhaps position of power in all of major league sports, I would say, right? Maybe other than, I guess, head coach of a basketball team, right? I think I head know. coaches have a lot of sway, right? Is that what you're well, doing or the opposite? Well, I, th- I think, I mean, I think that, I, I would say the basketball of, of any sport really cycles through head coaches very easily. I can think of one Cleveland team that I believe had two different head coaches in one season and then went to the finals anyway. <laughs> That's evidence yeah. of, of, the importance of that head coach. Now I can think of another team down in uh, down in, in Texas who's had the same head coach for a long time and never doesn't win fifty games. So, but again, these are all some are outliers, some are not. And but, Terry Franklin is obviously an outlier. But at the same time, in baseball, at this point in the game in general, it's about the front office. Like, yeah, Joe Madden is a, a big part of why the or is a part of why the Cubs are good, but. We all know why they're actually good. I mean, I routinely forget who the head coach of the world champions is, the reigning world champions. It's A.J. Hinch, right? It is. Okay, good. There you go. But, like, Tori Lavulo, that's a person, right? Wait, is that the the manager (laughs) of the Diamondbacks? I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, Sure. (laughs) This is all a long and stupid way of saying managers don't really have, I mean, these days don't have as much power as they used to. So wh- where is the front office on all this? Do they not want Yanni Diaz up because of the whole again the bat pat the the him not adhering to the way the Indians want their players to hit the ball? I mean, we know the Indians are a forward thinking team. We know that they their minor league teams hit a lot of home runs, and we know that they have a lot of young guys who do adhere to these kind of the the modern way of hitting. I mean, look no further than Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. You, you can watch their launch angle, you know, tick up every successive year. I mean, even guys like uh, Jason Kipnis said, you know, he said outright, no, I'm not doing that. But if you go and look at his batted ball profiles over the last couple of years, there's a decided trend in a certain direction. I have to so imagine if a player point. says that, though, they sort of like almost trick him into doing it. Like not saying raise your launch angle, just change the thing about your swing. It just happens to raise it. That's always right. been my... So, and, and and I mean, you know, that, that's you know, I, I, you, I've watched all those videos about Josh Donaldson. He doesn't say explicitly, "I'm trying to hit the ball in the air," but he does say, "I'm trying to hit the you know, bottom half of the ball and create backspin, and you know, hit it over the infield." So it's all a long, circuitous way of saying I'm trying to hit the ball right. in the air. As so you're increasing your launch angle, makes you a nerd. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and if if this is, I don't know, does it feel like this is something the front office would want to do? This feels like a very Tito thing to me. Keeping Melky Cabrera but, over Yandy Diaz. But, like... Could the front office ha- really not see how good he could be? Who if... signed the checks here, you know? like No, I like you said, Tito has a ton of power. I don't know any other manager that does. Even right. 
There's an absurd amount of power he has. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I agree with you in that respect, but it's just he's not the only one. I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming anyone for anything here. I mean, it's just that we want better players on the team rather than worse players. And Mucky Ubrera hit a home run today. He hit a grand slam this past weekend. He's still not good at hitting. All right. I mean, I can, I can, I can live in a world of small sample sizes all day. I've written a million articles about small sample sizes. They're fun. <laughs> they're silly. They're ridiculous. There's a reason why everyone loved Tyler Naquin for for three and a half months. There's a reason why more people do not like Tyler Naquin. I was going to say, are you saying people sample. don't still love Tyler Naquin because there's a cult and oh, obviously he's awesome. He's super cool, and <laughs> they are tracking your address as we speak. They know your work schedule. They yeah. are going to find you. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 all a weird situation, and I I just I don't. It's just in general, I don't think that as much power as Franklin has, I don't think the front office gets enough. I guess guff, um, for lack of a better word, to come to my head, um, for doing things like keeping Nucky Cabrera around. I know that, I know that they deal in a very restrictive you know financial environment, but I mean, what would be surely the they have advantage of Melky over Yandi right now. Because it can't be any other year of them, right? No, I literally when I see Mikey Cabrera playing, I see no bonus over over <laughs> Yandy Diaz. I no matter what defense, base, base running, hitting, plate discipline, it blows my mind, and I can't get over it. And that's why the entire blog is turning into a Yandy Diaz only <laughs> blog. That's and, why that's all we've been writing about for the last week. <laughs> the worst part is the fact that ya- or Melky's hitting these home runs and grand slams because yeah, now it's going to justify asshole. it. And then he's going to go like 0 for 12 in October. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, kind of. that's kind of how small sample sizes work. But I don't know. It's really disappointing. Because you know just because he hit that grand slam in the home run and he's hit well lately, mm-hmm. he's, he's pretty much locked in at this point. Because Diaz will come up in September, of course, but he's not going to play. Because oh, then going to be there. Yonder Alonso's there. Couldn't possibly play him in the outfield. No, I mean it's impossible. He it's he's an infielder that doesn't play the infield. So I mean, it's not like the Indians have ever played players out of position before in in big games. So no, never. How about that? This World is Series? stupid. Carlos Santana. I know it's. I don't know. This team is weird. I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I don't want to say there's a power struggle, but it seems like there's got to be something between Francona and the front office. It just doesn't seem like maybe I would be a little more comfortable with it if I knew it was the front office making this decision. Mm-hmm. I think that might be my problem. If I knew that they had some kind of numbers or something that we can't see that makes them think Melky Cabrera is better, I think I'd be a little okay with it. But I just have such this feeling that it's just Terry Francona saying he's a veteran and he hit well lately that I want him. I guess that's my. Which, yeah, no, and like, and that's just. I don't know. I mean, there comes a point where, like I was saying before about Diaz, you know, speaking up, which rookies never used to do, but there comes a point where we've got to get out of the 1950s with this goddamn team. <laughs> right. There's a lot, yeah. I mean, remember oh, when we were saying the 1950s, he hits ground balls all the time. So, I mean, that's what everyone did back then. <laughs> he never strikes out. He's, he's, he's Joe DiMaggio, is what I'm saying to you. Could you imagine Yandy Diaz's biceps in the 1950s? Yeah, they'd be all meat and, and chicken fat. <laughs> anyway, that's... That's a really interesting thing going on there. It's also frustrating. Remember when Yandi Watch was just a fun little haha? Yandi's coming up. We want Yandi now, and now it's like an all-out war zone because yeah, now we're all now we're just mad because <laughs> <not doing it. laughs> we're all mad and bitter. And <laughs> what happened? Is that would always turn? <laughs> you know? Oh man, I don't. Yeah, I can't remember like a player wanting him to come up this bad. It's just not happening when he's playing so well. 
Because Francisco Lindor, like most of the Indians players, they came up, they were pretty good in the minors, and they exploded in the majors, like Jose and Francisco. And I remember Not I really Bradley wanted Bradley Zimmer, Zimmer. I know, my I favorite player. Really bad. I remember one of the posts I wrote was just called "Fuck it, play Bradley Zimmer," and then like a week later they did, <laughs> and I was really happy about it. that. And you're, I changed the world. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm, I know it was just coincidence, but that was fun. Have the Indians won yet? No, last I saw it was a home run. Thanks for dating our podcast, though, Merritt. The game is clearly already over. We're record- don't worry about when we're recording this, everybody. It's fine. We don't oh, know sick. about the game. <laughs> You're making me miss one of the four <laughs> interesting games that's going to happen in like a month and a half. I know. That's the best part to all this. <laughs> and when we, we started, they were tied. Run? And Michael apparently is a home run. <laughs> so let's talk um, about Leonis Martin, since that's a, a green... What is that called? I wanted to see Adam Simber pitch against the goddamn Red Sox. Ah, why do I do this stupid podcast? <laughs> well, at least it's not Neil Ramirez. I know he went. Anyway, Leonis Martin. <laughs> he was in the hospital. I don't think that was in the podcast because last no, time it was recorded two weeks the ago. Entire, so. the, this entire saga has happened between the podcasts. A man almost died and came back in between <laughs> our podcasts. But it was really serious with Martin. It was, at first, I think Tito just called it intestinal... What was it? It was really weird. Turmoil. Yeah, That's what it was. Yeah, turmoil. <laughs> it's a really weird name. But I'm sure at that point they didn't know what it was. But Gut problems. Yeah. Then he was in the hospital and it was just basically an infection got in, um, released a bunch of toxins and his organs just, I, there was multiple organ failure. He was like on the verge of dying. And That's so fucked up. I know. It's, it's really scary stuff. And then he's apparently, there's obviously no timetable for returning to baseball, but he's out of the hospital now. He's reportedly home. Um, he released a statement on Twitter saying, I'd like to thank everybody for their well wishes while I was hospitalized. I'm glad to be feeling better, and I'm looking forward to rehab. Um, holy cow. I mean, <laughs> obviously the baseball stuff does not matter when you're about to die, but um, that's well, a really he's not dying situation. now, so what do you think? Uh, late September? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's that's got to be a long time to come back from, right? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, you figure he probably lost 20 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. How much weight do you lose in your, when, when you have gut problems like that? Well, that's more than gut problems. That's all of your organs failing. Well, yeah, it's all your organs are in your guts. So, <laughs> oh, that's come on, true, Matt. Yeah. I think gut, I just <laughs> think stomach, right? Is that wrong? Is that I don't not know. your gut? I think when you gut somebody, it's a, it's a more general stomach area. There's other things around there. Kidneys. and about when you gut somebody. Spleens and stuff. You know, <laughs> wait, what was I saying? You're out there just gutting someone, you know? <laughs> But anyway, glad Leonis Martin's coming back. Yeah, that's very. Even nice. if it's not We're all year, very happy that he's not. He's not. He's not going to die. It's um really weird and sudden, too. Yeah, and they very said sudden. it wasn't like anything that can spread, so they weren't worried about that. They obviously didn't say how he got the infection. They might not even know. It might just be yeah. What, like what was it? Just, I don't know. I, I mean, having kids, of, I can tell you, bacterial infections come out of freaking nowhere, and then they're just there. Um, I believe you. I don't have kids. <laughs> they can just come from nowhere, and that just sounds like a super bad one, which is scary. So. I have a cat with brainworms, so that's all I got. <laughs> She's fine. Don't worry. And a, a slightly less, um, let's call it, immediate or scary situation um, was Trevor Bauer. I guess this is scary, the fact that he got hit on the shin with a baseball and cracked his ankle or whatever he did. But he's out reportedly four to six weeks. Um, again, that was another thing that happened between the last podcast and now. A lot happened in the last two weeks, Merritt. Mm-hmm. Um but that happened. So Trevor Bauer's out four to six weeks. And Michael Bauman, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but it was a great little 
thing that happened a couple days ago. He jokingly tweeted, Trevor Bauer has said that the doctors' timeline for his return is based on outdated mainstream medicine, and he's begun a course of blood transfusions and colloidal silver to rid his body of CIA nanites. He anticipates missing two starts, three tops. I mean, that's a really straight, straight-faced tweet. But he said the words CIA nanites and colloidal silver. <laughs> so that might be a hint that it's not real. MLB Network did not pick up on that, and they reported it on Quick Pitch. The host just read it flat. There was no, like, this could be a joke. Who knows? She read it as Trevor Bauer actually said this. I think maybe what they were going for was they thought Trevor Bauer said it as a joke. Because I can't imagine multiple people on MLB Network reading this tweet and then saying, yeah, go mm-hmm. for it. Read it on, on air. What I think see, happened is they thought he was joking, but he didn't say it. See, the, and that's the thing about just baseball writers in general is they're general. There's two types of baseball right. There's the one who takes it so seriously that they're going to poop themselves at all times if anyone, I don't know, flips a bat or wears high socks or doesn't wear high socks or something. You know, the stupid people. Or there's the ones who just are very irreverent about everything. And just don't, uh, the, the younger people who just will do things. You know, Michael Baum's a fine writer. He's a ringer. People. Yeah, the, the, the younger types. You know, the ones who just don't really take any of this silly game of a bunch of of men wearing pajamas out in the field very seriously and that was a total joke and it's so obviously but but yeah like you said it's i mean somehow trevor bauer has built this personality i guess or this persona of being someone who would actually do this this of course being i don't know outlandish insane things and bring up the cia even though he's never actually talked about (laughs) conspiracy theories before all he's ever talked about to anyone is pitching well, he's gotten into politics a lot on Twitter when he yelled at people. So they kind of connected yeah, but the again, between that and conspiracy of, stuff. None of that is – nothing that about, about colloidal silver is political. I mean, I guess Alex Jones sometimes hucks, you know, weird garbage on his on his uh, broadcast. Which, by, by the way, Matt, I was thinking we should get into selling uh, nutrient supplements. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Can we just, like, Photoshop Yandy Diaz's bicep on it and sell yes. it? Yes, we could. <laughs> we don't have to pay him if we don't use his faith. It's yeah, right. Perfect. Bicep anyway. likeness. It's, it might as well be. I don't even know what colloidal silver is. I googled colloidal silver when you were talking about. <laughs> I think it was just the thing to sound insane. Yeah. Like, that's the point. To make it, you make you make it obviously it's a joke by doing that. But right. I mean, it definitely sounds like something Trevor would joke about. But I think it does. most no, people thing, would read but, that as him actually saying that. <laughs> but then it just gets picked up by by what appear to be a bunch of boneheads. So I don't know. Again, sometimes people just can't take a joke, and it gets and then I may, perhaps again this is just evidence of the modern day drive and need to get all the clicks immediately. But yeah, the fact that the it's very obviously something that was handed to or just shown to the host on Quick Pitch without any vetting uh, by them or anyone. They're like, oh, this just came out. Read it now. Breaking news. And so that's why it happened. Breaking news is the best for that reason, of course. Yeah. Well, Quick but, Pitch is the one where they kind of like recap all the games. So I'd assume yeah. they just collect everything they can really quick and put it on air. Like if they read it, because that's a show that doesn't have any hosts discussing anything. It's just one host mm-hmm. recapping games and reading things. So if they put it on like... Yeah. MLB Central, I think, would have dealt with it right, because I like them a lot. Um, like, even MLB Tonight, maybe somebody would have thought it was real. They could have said, no, that's not clearly a joke. But just the way they read it is so bad. Like you said, they just I, wanted to get out his breaking news right away that Trevor Bauer said this outlandish thing, and then clearly he didn't. I um, I was actually more surprised at Trevor Bauer's reaction than anything else, because he got really mad about it. And I mean, I know, you know no one wants to be misrepresented in the media, 
But for a guy who seems to not give it, you know, he just seems to not give a crap generally about what people think of him. I don't know. That 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 was that like biggest surprise was how how upset he seemed to be. I don't know. I think Maybe. he's cared a lot lately about how people think of him because he's um he's constantly like fought back on the he's a bad teammate thing. Yeah. Um, and true. right or wrong, he doesn't want people to associate him with the politics he always spews on Twitter or used to spew on Twitter. He's trying to, I don't know if like an agent or somebody told him to stop doing that, but, or to reverse it, but he's clearly trying to get away from all that stuff and doing this sort of feeds into all the negative parts of Trevor Bauer that either existed before or still exist. So I can at least see him getting upset over being misrepresented. He did say that he thought the tweet was hilarious. So that part's funny. It's, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I can see just being mad at the media for picking up on something that that is so obviously fake and not real, yeah. and just running with it for even ten, twenty minutes. Like, <laughs> and then was... I, I want. I wish I could seen that just within the newsroom of of MLB TV. I guess MLB Network. MLB Network. Somebody in the back. It says colloidal silver. Run it. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so run like, it, wait run a run minute. It. This is fake. <laughs> And so there was somebody who Trevor Bauer said came up and asked him where he's getting the blood transfusions yeah. done, which I also assume is a joke, and which I also assume is Mike Clevenger. I've, I assumed it was uh, Nelson Cabrera, <laughs> honestly. He's <laughs> like, I got my own guy for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slip you, a little you, something you need, else in there. You need, you need a transfusion guy? I know a guy <laughs> or two. Get out of here. No. <laughs> so the even better aspect of this story, maybe worse, I'm not sure, is that Bauer, his teammate, whoever it was, came up to him and said they saw it on ESPN. So Trevor rallied against ESPN, never mentioned MLB Network. He added, he tagged ESPN, he was yelling at him, he demanded an apology. And then today he had a video response where he said it wasn't actually ESPN who did it, it was only MLB Network. (laughs) So he had to retweet that he responded that all he was trying to do was stop the spread of misinformation, and he spread his own misinformation. Um, So good for Trevor Bauer for doing a video in front of a weird blue wall. I saw. Um, I didn't actually watch the video. I just saw a clip. Of it and I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, because that was him apologizing for calling out ESPN. Because somebody must have got a hold of him. He said they scraped their their recent broadcast and they never even mentioned it. Um, I think he said he saw somebody said they saw it on a crawler or something. So at the bottom, but but they said they never mentioned it. So Trevor inadvertently just saw something, didn't verify it, and started yelling about it, which sounds very familiar, kind of like what MLB Network did with his tweet. Um, so that was kind well, of a. I mean, it's 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 not like ESPN hasn't earned a repu- the reputation it has at times. With although I guess that's because just because they kept on pushing Skip Bayless on us for a decade, so yes, it's real him. news. I mean, it's, I miss him. What really sucks is that Skip Bayless is awful, but Shannon Sharp is so great on that show. But I don't want to watch a second of it. But I can you watch know what's really awful going, is the fact that they separate. <laughs> I hate that they separated uh, Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless into two shows. That's poisoning that with the airwaves <laughs> twice. But also getting those two away from each other. I still think that was gold, man. I love that show sometimes. I get so mad at it. I'm so <laughs> I amazed really at how mad I get at that shows. show. Like, I don't care about any of this. But, <laughs> but I'm just mad. Damn, Skip, you are good at making me mad. <laughs> I mean, you kept tuning in, didn't you? That's what they I did. I sure did. LeBron James. Oh, man, we're doing this again, huh? <laughs> Skip. What was it? What is it? Year nine? <laughs> he is not clutch. Oh, all right, still. All right. And you know the best part is that Skip Bayless does his own face. He used to do like Facebook Live videos. It's just him in a cowboy's hat in his house at a weird that's camera awesome. angle talking to it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's the best slash worst. Some kind of weird, insane that. Monday morning podcast. I love it. 
Speaking of, well, not speaking of that, but sort of like football related, have you been um, watching the Hard Knocks thing at all? No, I don't watch football. Oh. No, I don't. I just don't have HBO, and I don't care oh. about the Browns. So, no, not at all. <laughs> this <laughs> not is what I'm going for, but it's it's made me care about the Browns, which sucks, and I hate it. That's too bad, but... man. I'm sorry. Be a Raiders fan like me. It's way <laughs> oh, better. no. Well, I was a Chargers <laughs> fan growing up, so I would have hated it. Oh, oh, you're a garbage boy. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> Listen, the second LT left, I was out. So, maybe I wasn't a hardcore Chargers fan. But what I'm getting at is I think uh, baseball no, needs one of There those. are no hardcore Chargers fans. It's all right. There are no Chargers fans, <laughs> so you're fine. They were LT fans, they were Drew Brees fans, and then Drew Brees dove for a ball and blew up his elbow, and, and then nobody cared anymore. And nobody likes uh, Philip Rivers. So. <laughs> no, I still love Philip Rivers. That guy's a weirdo. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's a freak. I just want to see him in his home. Does he always like yell at home? That's what I want to know. I he just he probably hates his kids. Oh, his 19 kids. <laughs> he just cannot not be intense. That's why I love him. Um, what was I getting at? really nice. Oh, the hard knocks. Baseball needs that. We've talked about how marketing sucks for MLB in the past. Like they need their own. Every every sport needs their own ML, or bleh, NFL films. First of all, they need it was it mm-hmm. Steve Sable or whatever with his voice. Yeah. But baseball needs something like that. I think they don't need all those like hip. Oh, you're thinking of garbage. John Cassandra, the voice of God. That's who you're talking about. Oh, is about. that is, okay? Who's Steve He's Sable? Dead. He's the one who hosted something. Yeah, he, oh, his dad, Ed Sable, created NFL films. Oh, okay. Yeah, Steve um, Sable hosted, Sable something hosted some things with them, yes. But that's what they did. Uh, they did like a, a consistent thing that like goes over weeks. And the Indians, no, who did it? That was the Devils. Never mind, I was way off. <laughs> but the Indians need to have like, every team needs to have something about. No, there needs to be yeah, a humanization of the you player. Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we, we need to see more of them. But not, like, I, I watched this um I watched this documentary a long time ago. I don't even remember what it was about. But um, the way the guy did it was he just got his subjects and he just pointed the camera at them. And, and then just like he'd ask them a question and they'd answer it. And then he just wouldn't say anything. And then they'd just kind of <laughs> keep on talking after a minute. What? And like, well, that was really good because it just over time they just kind of opened up. Like they were no longer. They just kind of started talking. Whatever. I don't remember, what was that? What was that? About? It was a. Damn it. It was. It was a very interesting way to watch a documentary. And my my point being, I don't want to watch another Hard Knocks because at this point in my life, I'm tired of sports cliches. So I'd like to get a little bit more. Like I don't want more shots of guys driving around in their SUV, which seems to be a classic camera angle for any sporting sporting event. If you don't ever watch uh, Last Chance You, you get a whole lot of the coach driving around in his car and talking about weird gibberish. So I don't know. I agree with you, though. There needs to be something to show more of what because I'm like, you know, I mean, you know, the the, one, the fun thing about Hard Knocks is that it's the it's the four or five weeks or whatever it is where football is concentrated into training camp. Mm-hmm. But baseball just is that for six months. These guys are just together for for six months, and it's almost like the season too, is too long to really encapsulate that properly. Because it would need to be like, well, it needs to be a training. weekly season. Oh, honestly, I'd want to see the whole season. I'd want to see the whole season with a bad team or a team that was supposed to be good but collapsed or something, you know, and just get unlimited access somehow. I think that would be amazing. Just have that be – now, that is actually, would actually be a lot of fun, I think, to do a hard knocks level of presence but not – like have, have, have basically the only place that is barred from cameras, the shower, and yeah. just, just see the entire season and just see how it breaks out and see how it, how it caves in, how it goes – what. 
Someone did something like that. I think it was a minor league team a while back. I have a half a, Some I have of my favorite books memory. are like minor league players who didn't quite make it. And they get in like describing all the nitty gritty of minor league stuff. So that'd be cool. See, and, and I think even that would be even way more fun. Would, would be if it wasn't a major league team. If it wasn't yeah. a minor league team. You know what I mean? Like just to see, you know, what it actually takes to become a major league player. But yeah. no, I, I, th- I think a, a hard knocks with not even like a big team. Like I don't want to see a hard knocks of the Yankees or the Red Sox. I want to see a hard knocks of like the the Rays. Yeah, the Padres. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just. That that'd be an interesting team because there was some level of hope and it just utterly fell apart. And just to see what the the front office goes through and like talking to the owner and how they feel about things and yeah, that's one of the coolest things seeing when the news happened a week ago, whatever. Then seeing on Hard Knocks what it was like behind the scenes, like you learn yeah, right. so much about how things work. Right, I think that'd be, I think that'd be very neat. I, there'd be, I, there are teams, you know, there's things that they can't show. You know, that, I mean, I mean, it's very so, little they haven't showed in Hard Knocks. I'd assume. Some dumbass team like accidentally showed like their draft board one time. Oh yeah, no, there. that was. I remember what you're talking uh, about. Other teams showed like, their the... Wi-Fi password and shit in the background. Yeah, that's always funny. It's always funny when, it, when that shows up <laughs> on Twitter. Hey, if you're <laughs> it's just a shot of like the the Mets locker room and it just says Wi-Fi password, and you know people are hopping on there. Yeah, and even outside of like the hard knock stuff, I think it'd be cool mm-hmm. to have. Like, there's no other than sort of in the World Series, like dramatic documentary of games. Like, the NFL always has those slow-motion NFL films things where it's all the gridiron and dudes hitting each other and whatever. Well, but, and that's I, – I, I've that read a lot about baseball. Well, that's – well, the problem with baseball is it's not quite as beautifully balletic as slow-mo football is. You know, the, the spinning football is is the classic image, you know, of, of NFL films. Just seeing it flow through the air just, just ever so slowly. Baseball, for all its boringness and problems and whatnot, it's – Pretty at its best, I guess. And baseball is too, of course. You know, you're watching Francisco Lindor is, a, you know, a revelation at times. But I think you get plenty of good slow motion. Icon- you can make iconic angles with baseball, like the a good angle of behind the umpire and catcher with the ball coming in. Yeah, that's the true. I mean, like halfway through his motion. Because that is the fun part about the NFL film, guys, is because it's not normal game film. You know, it's the, it's NFL film's own guys shooting all that stuff too. Right. So. I guess if you get like an MLB Films crew, but like, what would you do with it? I guess. I mean, there's some like every like you can turn an outfield dive into a big dramatic thing if you zoom in far enough. You know who I mean, was really terrible at slow motion is Fox during the playoffs because he slow motion all the wrong times, like just <laughs> yeah. zooming in on a man's face as he goes no or whatever as he strikes. I'm like, what? The, why are we seeing this? Exactly. I don't want to see this man's tonsils in slow motion. <laughs> just see him vibrate really slowly in the background. <laughs> why are you? What is this? Show me the play. Do a slow motion breakdown of the thing that just happened. I mean, could you Show imagine me. if we got like a um. A hard knocks version of whatever that conversation between Yanni Diaz and Tito was. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That's coming that, full circle here. That's that's what I want. I want like a camera in the corner recording Yanni Diaz flexing in the corner and Francisco. And I think what we really want, and this is the thing that baseball is simultaneously great and frustratingly ba- irritating about it, is just how closed off it is. Just because it is such a, a, a clubhouse sort of a thing. Like, yes, the media covers it very well, but unlike. Um, I think basketball is probably the worst, but everything gets out on a basketball team. You know, like there's never like everything always like well, for the most part, it seems like no matter what, there's never like like the, the access of the media is just is just seems ever present. Whereas with baseball, it's just things can just happen and we wouldn't even know about them. Like we've, we've got all this secondhand information about this conversation between 
uh, Diaz and Franco. And we're not going to hear anything else about it from a third person. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it would be neat to actually be able to see that because almost every other sport does have seemingly – I don't know if it's, it's – like the baseball writers have some sort of weird gentleman's code to not report on things, which I know back in the old days they did. I don't know if it's still true. If it is, it's kind of lame. But having it's not sort of intentional. Way. I think you can't get too like down and gritty with a team you know you're going to be around so much. Which is stupid, and I hate right. access journalism. Yeah, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to like the when Paul Hoyne said his thing last year in 2016 about Carlos Carrasco. Yeah. Like for any other blogger, that's just a, a weird completely wrong but it's a criticism you just say but for him he had to go and then face the players every day <laughs> calling him out for it so but you know what i mean i mean and that was a that was a really stupid claim to make but i, I think I, I i've always thought that if you're that a, a reporter doesn't have he can be borderline antagonistic and still cover the team as a beat reporter you might have a bit of a harder time but as long as you you know play things straight up and aren't like doing dumb things like that like you know writing that article you can definitely write an article like that without being quite so, I don't know, doom and gloom about the whole thing. But there's definitely a role to, uh, that isn't just access journalism, basically, that, that can be a, a f- sort of pseudo-investigative journalism within the game while also allowing for access, I guess. Because well, guys, guys, guys want to talk. You know, People still want the media. Like, yeah, it, it's easier to get – you don't need the media anymore as much, but having a, a filter of the media is helpful at times. Yeah, and I think like places like Cleveland.com, they have specifically columnists, right, who aren't the excess journalists. Yes. That's one reason I think The Athletic does so good now is they've been able to like grab a bunch of really talented, not even bloggers, but like journalists who weren't at these big newspapers so they can still get access now and they can also, like they do call them. Like Zach Mizell, he includes so many quotes in his, mm-hmm. in his articles and he gets critical of the Indians occasionally and specific players, but... But he's just so good and, and so honest about what he's saying that it doesn't seem to like get blown back at him or anything. So I don't know. I think Paul Hoynes has the line that he crossed is he's clearly supposed to be just a reporter, but he always just like tosses absent minded opinions in there. He did it earlier <laughs> with um with the Trevor Bauer injury. There was nothing based on it, but in a in a post that was otherwise completely factual based on quotes, he said Trevor Bauer's season and the postseason are in jeopardy with like no contacts no quotes and then craig calcaterra picked it up and he included it in his title that trevor Bauer's season might be done it was all just based on a throwaway quote from paul hoynes because i mean he's supposed to be just straight a reporter not a columnist and he kind of drifts. well off. and you know again that point of his um talk, bowers season being it's not wrong um yeah, i mean it's not wrong it's 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 an injury that will can definitely it will, it will definitely restrict his ability to you know he's not going to win a Cy Young this year now and he may not you know he may not be as effective when he comes back but it's definitely a little bit irresponsible because he is going to get picked it's a little bit irresponsible to people who are quoting him too I mean you know we've all done that before just taking a quote out of context because it serves our purposes yeah. I don't think I've done that but we as a people have done that before <laughs> we as in Merritt Rolfing have done that before <laughs> I have never once parsed stats to serve a purpose in an article not once I, I, I confound you to find a time that I've ever done that did you oh I don't know where I'm going with that oh that, what was I thinking of oh there was that one completely off topic but that one um, that one uh, IGN journalist who plagiarized a bunch of stuff and then he said, "I he plagiarized one thing that got out publicly." And then he said, "Go try to find more. I bet you won't." And then like cue the 
the always sunny music and then people found <laughs> dozens of other things <laughs> so i was gonna find all kinds of you cherry picking stats i mean everybody I w- does it because i would never plagiarize the gang plagiarizes everybody <laughs> there you go that's what it's <laughs> that, like i don't know how you can write and not sort of cherry pick stats you kind of have to like oh yeah we, we get bored yeah. this season's been so goddamn poor and we, and we just missed most of the most exciting game of the year for this <laughs> And especially in season, like you're reporting on, you can report on streaks and say that they're happening, and Uh, I think that's fine. I don't get um, like emotion police or small sample size police. People can overreact to things as part of sports. I mean, listen, if if we don't, if we can't write about small sample size, then there's just no baseball writing for the first month of the season. In fact, we all just take off until what May 10th or something like that. I think is when people (laughs) agree things are. Some inside baseball for baseball blogging is the first couple months are miserable trying to write about anything, and people are saying, oh, it's just small samples. I'm aware it's small sample size. There's you know nothing else going on. You know what's really saved baseball writing? <laughs> GIFs. That's what saved baseball writing. The ability to create a whole bunch of GIFs and go, this was really cool, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you, if you go look back at my early season stuff, first, it's because before my computer broke, so I could still make them. But also, I just did them because, you know, I mean... Look, look at that home run. It was cool, man, right? <laughs> it's and more so than just on. saying he hit this home run today. How about that? Yeah, look at it. He hit yeah. this home run specifically. Yanni Diaz is now hitting 371. Uh-oh. Oh, Honey. cut him. DFA. Moon over. <laughs> and it's and You know that's he's, he's not coming back because of that. And Melky Cabrera's hitting so good lately, so clearly he's, he's good. so stupid. <laughs> Baseball is a dumb sport, and I hate it. <laughs> no, I love it. I can't even say that. <laughs> on that note, I think we're going to end like, the show. Like my cat. I love it, but it irritates me. <laughs> I hate I like it, but it jumps on my microphone occasionally in the middle of a podcast. Every now and again, it just makes a bunch of noise in your head and, <laughs> and causes me problems. Anything fun coming up for you the next week, Merritt, besides wondering what's going on with the DS? Oh, uh, no. No. Going to Ireland in like a month, but other than that, no. I got week. Save that for a couple weeks. You just ruined it. Now you can't talk about Ireland. Right. Well, I can talk about it in the Next week, unless I'm going to go to Ireland. Sorry with all your fancy cat money. What cat money? (laughs) I don't know. I'm rich on cat money, baby. (laughs) How can the Indians trade for Andrew Benintendi? I like him. He seems like a pretty good player. There's your next post. The Indians need to trade for Andrew Benintendi. Uh, One for one swap with Michael Brantley. He's hitting better than him anyway, so there there you go. go. Mulkey Cabrera, he's a switch hitter. It's true, switch hitter, and he's two, he's two for three tonight. Ben Tenney's only one for four. Checkmate. <laughs> All right, Merritt, everybody else, talk to you next week. <laughs>